Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's Saturday, the 11th of November. I'm Kira Evans, and this was a week that saw Suella starting fights, Israel battling in Kansas City, the King officially opened Parliament, and more revelations from the COVID inquiry. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet, and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the small seven. It's news, but not the news. This week saw Home Secretary Suella Braverman in the spotlight as she sparred with the homeless and with the Met Police, prompting calls from all sides for her to resign or for Rishi to sack her. It started with comments she tweeted about the homeless, describing people who live in tents on the street as making a lifestyle choice. She wanted to introduce a civil offence which would see charities fined for providing tents to homeless people, a move which has been criticised by both Labour and the Liberal Democrats. She spoke to Sky News to explain her concerns. We must make sure that we don't go down the same route as some cities in the US where living in a tent has become a lifestyle choice and with it has brought drug use, criminality and antisocial behaviour. Labour's deputy leader Angela Rayner says the homeless crisis is another example of failed Tory policies but PM Rishi Sunak was being very careful to avoid criticising the Home Secretary when the press caught up with him on Monday. I don't want anyone to sleep rough on our streets. That's why the government is investing £2 billion over the next few years to tackle homelessness and rough sleeping. I'm pleased that the number of people sleeping rough is down by a third uh, since the peak but of course there's more to do. Lord Bird who founded Homeless Charity The Big Issue says it's an attack on the good work that charities do and the government needs to do more, not less. It is a human rights abuse to allow people to live and die on our streets. If you live on the streets, you have a 10 to 15 year shorter lifespan, even up to 20 years. I am an ex-rough sleeper and the months that I was, it didn't do my mental well-being any good. In the end, her proposal failed to make it into the King's speech on Wednesday, but tents weren't the only thing Swell has been cracking down on this week. She also called for pro-Palestinian protesters to be jailed if they damaged the cenotaph during a controversial Armistice Day march. Labour's Pat McFadden says Armistice Day should be respected. No demonstration should take place near these events or really around it the time of them. Anybody planning a march has to show respect for this important moment for the nation. And as the tension ramped up over the planned protest, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak had stern words for Met Police Commissioner Mark Rowley on Wednesday. This is a decision that the Metropolitan Police Commissioner has made and he has said that he can ensure that he safeguards remembrance. Now, my job is to hold him accountable for that and we've asked the police for information on how they will ensure that this happens. That wasn't enough for Home Secretary Braverman, though, who wrote an article for the Times newspaper in which he accused the police of bias and of treating right-wing protesters with a stern response, while pro-Palestinian mobs were largely ignored. The article was not cleared by 10 Downing Street and opposition parties were quick to call for Braverman's sacking. Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer says it's up to Rishi to act. 
this isn't the way in which a Home Secretary should behave. The role of responsible government is to reduce tension. He's got a, a Home Secretary who's, who's out of control and he is too weak to do anything about it. Rishi has seemed reluctant to fire her, perhaps because the Supreme Court's decision on the Rwanda asylum scheme is due next week. Labour Sir Chris Bryan says it's a matter of when, not if. The fact that only two Conservative MPs have turned up today to defend the Home Secretary, I think, shows that she has already lost the support of the House. Isn't the truth of the matter that this Home Secretary is really trying to command the police and that completely breaches every single understanding that we've historically had of the operational independence of the police. This week saw the civilian dead toll in Israel's war with Hamas exceed 10,000, of which more than 4,000 are believed to be children. The Israeli army fully encircled Gaza City and spent the week engaged in street-by-street battles with Hamas fighters as they sought to clear out and destroy tunnels, weapons and command centres. There have been growing calls all week for a ceasefire, but Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu says they'll continue to fight until the Hamas group releases more than 200 Israeli hostages. Former US President Barack Obama says both sides are in the wrong. If you want to solve the problem, you have to take in the whole truth. And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean. UN General Secretary Antonio Guterres says that no one is safe in Gaza as he again called for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire, describing the situation as a crisis of humanity. Meanwhile, 88 UN aid workers have been killed, along with over 150 healthcare workers. And the World Health Organization says Israel has struck over 100 health facilities so far. Senior advisor to the Israeli Prime Minister and former ambassador to the UK, Mark Regev, said there has been no deliberate targeting. Obviously, Israel does not attack civilian targets and definitely not humanitarian targets. I I don't know what these statistics are based on. I apologize. I can only tell you that we don't target humanitarian sites, while Hamas has a deliberate policy of embedding itself in hospitals. The UN and World Health Organization continue to call for a humanitarian ceasefire as food and water supplies ran dangerously low and Guterres had a grim warning for the world. Gaza is becoming a graveyard for children. We must act now to find a way out of this brutal awful, agonizing, dead end of destruction, to help end the pain and suffering, and to help pave the way to peace. The White House announced on Thursday evening that Israel had agreed to temporary humanitarian pauses in parts of North Gaza. The proposed pauses will be up to four hours daily and are intended to allow the safe evacuation of civilians and the shipment of humanitarian aid. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu explicitly ruled out any longer-term ceasefire, though, as fighting continues. Meanwhile, European leaders held a conference in France on Thursday to focus on offering humanitarian aid and finding a solution to the conflict. The EU is quadrupling its aid budget and EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says they'll work with both sides. Israelis and Palestinians will in the very end have to agree on a way forward. But we as a part of an international effort must also contribute in very close coordination with our friends and partners. The COVID inquiry continued its work this week, still focused on what went on in Downing Street in the early days of the pandemic. This week saw more senior aides from Number 10 testify, including on Tuesday, Boris Johnson's former chief of staff, Edward Lister. The inquiry also heard messages from senior civil service figures who described those working in Downing Street as mad, poisonous and unfit to run the country. Lord Lister confirmed that he had in fact heard Boris utter the famously callous phrase that various ministers have denied he ever said that instead of a second lockdown, they should just let the bodies pile high. We'd had the summer 
hospitality had opened up, there was immense pressure to keep the economy moving forward and the, the R number was starting to rise. And um, this was the debate that was going on. Do you, do you now lock down or do you keep going? The UK's highest ranking civil servant at the time, Mark Sidwell, testified that he found Boris Johnson's government to be brutal and useless and that he did not trust Health Secretary Matt Hancock, to be honest. Lord Sidwell was a Cabinet Secretary during the early part of the pandemic and he took the opportunity of his appearance to apologise for remarks he made during his time in Downing Street. He said that in an attempt to make an argument about herd immunity, he suggested that perhaps people should have chickenpox style parties, but he realised quickly that was an unfortunate misstep. At no point did I believe that coronavirus was only of the same seriousness of chickenpox. I knew it was a much more serious disease. That was not the point I was trying to make. Common Health Secretary Steve Barclay was still busy trying to clean up after Boris defending his former boss for the callous remark that they should let the bodies pile high when faced with a second lockdown. Steve says it may have been a simple matter of remarks taken out of context. It's easy for things to be taken out of context or, or, or to be relayed in a, a particular way that uh, may be at odds with uh, the way it was said or the context of, of things at the time. I obviously wasn't there, but we've got an inquiry to look at these issues to get to, to the bottom of it. Friday saw former Home Secretary Priti Patel in the witness box as the investigation focused on 2021 and the socially distant vigil on Clapham Common in memory of Sarah Everard. She'd been murdered by serving Met Police Officer Wayne Cousins and the vigil in her honour was broken up by the police which caused public outcry. Boris described it as a bit of an argy-bargy in WhatsApp messages, but former Home Secretary Priti Patel apologised saying it was totally inappropriate. She also faced questions over inaccurate messaging during the pandemic about closing borders. There was no sophisticated or effective system already thought about and ready to be put into place when the virus emerged. I think that's absolutely correct. And with that, no technical capability. And I think the capability, the skills and capability simply weren't there. Tuesday saw King Charles make his first official King's speech to formally open Parliament for the new session and lay out the government's legislative agenda. That was the first King's speech in 70 years and it was also Rishi Sunak's first as Prime Minister. The speech laid out the various policy and legislative plans for the government with law and order the main theme. There was an awkward moment though as King Charles, a lifelong environmental campaigner, had to announce the government's plans to drill for more oil and gas. This bill will support the future licensing of new oil and gas fields, helping the country to transition to net zero by 2050 without adding undue burdens on households. There were a number of promised pledges missing with no sign of the promise to ban conversion therapy. There was also no sign of Suella's promise to make handing out tents to homeless people a civil offence. There was more detail though on the government's plan to gradually ban smoking. My government will introduce legislation to create a smoke-free generation by restricting the sale of tobacco so that children currently aged 14 or younger can never be sold cigarettes. For a Prime Minister who has been keen to position himself as a candidate for change, there wasn't many big ideas in the King's speech. Labour's Chris Bryant was pretty damning in his assessment of Rishi's big plan. This isn't a legislative programme for a year. We could get all of this done in a fortnight and then have a general election. The we whole of last year. Yes, we could. Of course we could. Most of it is just tinkering. Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer was equally unimpressed, saying the speech lacked any major legislation and was an exercise in economic miserabilism. What we have before us is a plan for more of the same. More sticking plasters, more division, 
more party first, country second gimmicks. Still to come on the standout seven, the Trump family testifies and Barbara Streisand wants a word. Right after this. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome back. Former U.S. President Donald Trump took the stand on Monday in a civil fraud trial in New York, which could see the end of Trump Tower and his real estate empire. It's alleged that Trump and his co-defendants lied on financial statements in order to get better terms from lenders. Trump's testimony followed that of his two eldest sons, both Trump Organization executives with his daughter Ivanka, testified on Wednesday. The lawsuit seeks $250 million in damages and to bar the former president from doing business in the state. Democrat Congressman Eric Swalwell says it's all coming up terribly for Trump at the moment. Over the past couple of months, we have seen this tapestry of accountability come together uh, against Donald Trump for his prior actions. He's been a stranger to accountability his whole career. And as each thread is woven together, we've got a better shot at saving our democracy. Trump proved to be a difficult witness, with the judge frequently interrupting him and urging him to stop making speeches and just answer the questions as asked. And with Trump under strict instructions not to talk about the case, his lawyer, Alina Haba, had a good old rant outside the court instead. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear, I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. The New York civil fraud case saw Trump's daughter Ivanka in the witness box on Wednesday. She's managed to separate herself from the case, so she's not a party to the proceedings. She was simply appearing as a witness, although she was instrumental in securing the loans from Deutsche Bank and she worked for the Trump organization. Ivanka was the final witness in the prosecution case and New York Attorney General Letitia James knew exactly what to expect. Ivanka Trump secured, negotiated loans to obtain favorable terms based on fraudulent statements of financial condition. And she will attempt today to distance herself from the company. One hundred and sixty thousand U.S. actors look set to return to work after their SAG after union reached a tentative agreement with the movie studios and streaming companies. The strike has been going on for four months now and kicked off over concerns about the use of AI and its impact on actors, along with a demand for more payment from streaming services. The draft agreement proposes a three-year contract with a value of over one billion dollars that will see a new streaming bonus and better minimum salary levels. Duncan Crabtree Ireland was the chief union negotiator, and he says they've come up with a good mechanism to protect members from AI. We intentionally designed, especially our AI protections, to set standards that can actually evolve with changes in the industry. We don't want to see performers replaced. We want to see performers augmented and lifted up. (laughs) 
We've all had the experience in the local coffee shop, right? Where the barista, by accident or design, completely mangles your name. Latte for Sierra, cappuccino for Kieran. But there's one person in the world who won't stand for that kind of thing. And she's living legend Barbara Streisand. She's been doing the interview rounds for her new book, My Name is Barbara. And she told the BBC about how annoyed she got when Siri mispronounced her surname. I figured I'd better call... Apple. I mean, the head of Apple, you know, Tim Cook. And he had Siri change the pronunciation of my name to be correct. I mean, is that, that's one perk of fame. Yes. You know? (laughs) You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes, we'll give you the world. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.